Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. We are talking bowls. That's right. Part one, we have six bowl shows that we're going to do, and we're following the same schedule that we have done thus far through the season. Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. If anything changes, we will be sure and let you know. That is a very good reason why you should be following us on Twitter. I'll go ahead and tell you, I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And let me go ahead and introduce our BetUS experts today. On the left side of your screen, we've got Parker Fleming. I call him the numerical guru. He's our analyst, our stats guy, our numbers guy, whatever you would like to call him. He's one of the smartest guys in the room. You can follow him on Twitter at Stats of War. Parker, uh, bowl season, I am ready to rock and roll with this thing, and it starts very, very quickly this year, it feels like. Uh, how about you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first games are what coming up this weekend. So um, very, very excited for it. And uh, again, bowl season the last two years, I've, I've done pretty well. I like to go high volume here. So I'm excited to uh, talk about some of these matchups, look at some of these non-con uh, games and 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 also, um, you know, have some have some picks, have some winners here in the uh, as we as we end this season. You have got that right on the right side of your screen. And the joke that I always make, he is almost always on the right side of his bets. We have got Kyle Hunter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. Uh, Kyle, uh, our award-winning professional handicapper, I know that you are dealing with some voice stuff, so we, we're not going to make you talk for long, but I know you're excited about bowl season, right? Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's slowly coming back, so I'm, I'm crossing my fingers as I'm talking right now. But, uh, yeah, I know. Guys, I'm looking forward to it. I've been looking forward to these bowl uh, previews here for a while, and it was nice to have the Army-Navy game last weekend. I like the standalone. Uh, it was a fun game, but now we get to tons of the action, and I always love lots of action. Oh, you have certainly got that right, especially in standalone spots, right? These No overlapping games for the most part. Uh, but there will be a ton of action, a ton of games that we can bet on. The fun part, of course, will be trying to figure out who is actually playing in which games, et cetera. And that's kind of what we're here for. We're going to help discern some of that and go through these numbers. So uh, before we do anything else, let me go ahead and tell you, you need to check out BetUS.com, BetUS, where the game begins. Incredible sports book. There is a link in the description. Go ahead and click that link and get yourself signed up over there. Along with that, since you're here anyway, we see several people watching right now. Go ahead and click that like button for us and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. We will be having a ton of continuous content, so make sure that you stay right here and hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. The schedule, again, Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursdays, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. If any of that changes, you can always follow us on Twitter. That's why I give out the handles, right? I am at GaryWCE. Parker is at Stats of War, and of course, Kyle at Kyle Hunter Picks. Very easy to do, and the links for all of the different BetUS accounts are also down in the description. Now, before we get rolling, I believe that Danny has got some information about our Schools Out Bowl Contest. So we'll let Danny take it away. It's December, school is finally out, and we're in that holiday spirit, and that means free content prizes, baby. Our School's Out contest will be open this December 17th, and all you gotta do is simply pick the winners for every college football game and guess the score for the championship game. The top three players with the most winners will get a free play. It's that simple. First place gets $2,000, second $1,000, and third $500. Now, who doesn't like some extra cash on the holidays? Pick the most bowl winners and come out on the top. Head over to BetUS.com to get full details. 
All right. Now, we certainly appreciate that. Let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about our recap for the season thus far. We gave it to you last week. None of us had any bets, uh, so we're not going to worry about a graphic here. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, on the season, I am sitting at 50 wins, 44 losses, and four pushes. Kyle, 37 wins and 31 losses. And Parker, at 49 wins, 59 losses, and three pushes. Uh, if you toss in the futures there, which I like to do because it makes us sound better, uh, we are 161, 151, and 7. So not too shabby. Let's go ahead and dive into the games. That is what we're here for. We appreciate all of you, by the way, for taking some time out of National Signing Day, at least the early signing day, to, uh, to come over here and actually talk about real football. Not the, not the hope and the hype, but the actual games that will be played in December and January. We're going to start off with a game from this Friday, the Bahamas Bowl. And we have got Middle Tennessee State against Toledo. Uh, Toledo, a 10-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total is 50-and-a-half. Uh, MTSU, 4-2 and two against the spread in their last six. Toledo, 4-1 and one against the spread in their last five. Two teams that kind of got hot towards the end of the season. MTSU sophomore uh, quarterback Mike Delilio. I'm, I'm hoping I say that correctly. He took over in the fourth quarter against FAU, scored 17 points in that quarter alone just to make it to this bowl game. Uh, Toledo also moved to a different quarterback, Daquan Finn, after Carter Stanley didn't work out, and it has worked out better for both teams, it seems like. Uh, MTSU, number 82 in net points per drive. Toledo, number 23 in that regard. Now, that is a full season stat. Um, You know, I've got so many questions, guys. Uh, Kyle, I want to start off with you on this. Uh, It's tough to handicap certain uh, advanced metric features, right? Advanced stats, uh, predictive stats, stuff like that. Uh, Toledo was number 129 in penalty yards per game. MTSU was number 85. Uh, is is different stats like that worth anything when you are measuring up for a bowl game? How how do you look at this game? Well, I mean, bowl handicapping in and of itself is a lot different than regular season handicapping, certainly. So, um, you know, motivation means far more. Uh, I, I think the the conference by conference stats. Uh, can be unique too because some of these conferences they just call more penalties than other conferences so it's a bit tricky just to look at that number straight up and and take too much from it so that's why we always have to uh, give you the numbers and then try to analyze them properly Uh, I want to start off here guys with a bit of a history lesson here Um, I bet Western Kentucky minus two and a half in 2014 in the Bahamas Bowl Uh, probably the worst bet probably the worst bad beat I've ever had in my life uh, this was a Christmas Eve game. I remember this one really well. Uh, myself, a friend of mine, both had this. And, uh, you know, it was 49-7 in the fourth quarter. Western Kentucky with the lead. Certainly looks like an easy cover of minus two and a half. They end up winning 49-48. Uh, just a terrible beat. In 2018, I tried the Bahamas Bowl again. It didn't go well that time either. Toledo and FIU under 66. The total dropped a bunch. Got all kinds of closing line value. Uh, 29 points in the fourth quarter. They score 67 points. It goes over by one. <laughs> a 43-yard touchdown pass with two seconds left. Uh, just a brutal Oof. way to go. I hate this game with a passion, and uh, I feel uniquely unqualified to talk about this game. So I'm going to keep this one very brief. And I'm going to let Gary and Parker give you the good insight because 
Guys, I'm afraid if I go with something on this one, I might jinx you guys. So in a more generic sense, I did want to say that motivation is the most important thing, obviously, in bowl season. Who wants to be there? Who doesn't want to be there? 60% uh, of the bets here on Toledo, 85% of the money on Toledo. Rick Stockstill's teams are 2-6 and six ATS in bowl games. Uh, so far, he's been one of the worst bowl coaches. I do think numbers like that matter a lot this time of the year. Uh, I wouldn't want to bet MTSU. I'm a little bit nervous about laying this many points with the Toledo team that's been very inconsistent. So I'm going to let you guys go with this one. Oh, most certainly, most certainly. Parker, uh, since week seven, MTSU is uh, is number six in defensive success rate allowed, but they are number 118 in explosiveness allowed. At Toledo, number nine in offensive explosiveness. Uh, that's number 25 passing, uh, but only, you know, number 114 passing defense for MTSU. This is This is not a good matchup at all for MTSU. Uh, as Kyle just talked about, Rick Stock's still not a great bowl coach. A lot of that has to do with the matchups that they end up getting in these bowl games. Uh, typically, you would never put Middle Tennessee and Toledo on the same field thinking that they are equal participants, and yet we have them here in a bowl game in the Bahamas. Uh, you know, I like Toledo here quite a bit. Obviously, the numbers say so, 85%, whatever it was that Kyle said, well over 80% of the money and the tickets on Toledo here. Uh, but I still like it. Typically, I like to fade the public, but, you know, crazy things can happen. What do you see in this one? Yeah, I mean, Toledo is 7-5, and five, and two of their losses, I think, actually aged really, really well. They lost by three at Notre Dame in the second game of the season, and then they lost versus a Colorado State team who certainly trailed off uh, kind of at the end of things, but at the beginning of the season gave Iowa a bunch of trouble, was really kind of feisty on, on, on defense early on. So um, a, a pretty solid team. They've been able to um, put up big points against bad teams, 45 points um, against UMass earlier in the season, 49 against Bowling Green, 49 against Akron. Those two are in the last three weeks of the season. And so I like Toledo here. Um, obviously, something to keep an eye on is like opt-outs, coaching changes, everything. And, and this game, uh, weirdly enough, seems to not be affected by that on either side. Um, I will say Middle Tennessee, I, I'm really down on. They, they, they got bowl eligibility by scoring a bunch of late points against a Florida Atlantic team that is just in absolute shambles. Um, and if you look at the wins that MTSU has on the season down the stretch, I mean, uh, FAU, FIU, Southern Miss, UConn, like <laughs> Middle Tennessee State <laughs> might be like the 125th worst team in the conference or uh, in, in FBS, and they beat four teams that were worse than them. Like that's their schedule just really <laughs> lined up for them to have some really bad wins. So um, I, the, the other thing I really like here for Toledo is kind of this matchup of what they like to do on offense. Toledo's a really bad passing offense and they, they don't pass a ton. Uh, they're 109th in EPA per pass, but they're second in EPA per rush. Very efficient ground game. And where Middle Tennessee has had some sort of a backbone, even, I mean, you got to account for opponent, obviously, but they're 30th in EPA per pass, um, again, against a bad slate, but they're 68th in EPA per rush. So I really expect Toledo to be able to rush. Um, Toledo is uh, 21st in points per quality possession. Uh, and and, and uh, again, against a better slate than MTSU. So I expect them to finish with touchdowns often when they get those drives. Um, on the on the flip side, 
MTSU's offense, I mean, Brett Dearman's there, but uh, they're, they're really, really struggling, even having kind of the, the RPO godfather, 82nd EPA per pass, 122nd EPA per rush, and Toledo's defense has been really stout, 6th in EPA pass. So complementary football here, uh, kind of the body of work and the resume, uh, all, all signs for me point to Toledo. I have them by um, by about 14 points, so a comfortable pad on this on this 10-point spread. That's exactly how I feel. This should be uh, about two touchdowns. Uh, but as we know, bowl games, anything can happen. I think both of these teams will be very glad to be in the Bahamas on Friday when this thing kicks off. Uh, let's make it official. Parker and myself both riding Toledo uh, and the 10 points. Uh, 10 points doesn't seem like enough here. So Toledo minus 10 for both of us. That moves us over to the Cure Bowl. Northern Illinois and Coastal Carolina and I get to talk about the Huskies one more time. Coastal Carolina favored by 10.5 here. The total is 63.5. Uh, Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall, he did play the last two games of the season. He is going to play in this game. Uh, it looks like Northern Illinois wide receiver Tyrese Ritchie, who missed the last four games for them, could be back. Uh, and he is quite the weapon. NIU 5-2 and two against the spread and straight up in their last seven as an underdog. Coastal. One and five against the spread in their last six as a favorite. Coastal Carolina has played the number 130 ranked schedule per ESPN. That is dead last. Uh, NIU, the number 75 strength of schedule in the country. Uh, got a lot of questions here. Parker, I want to start off with you. Uh, the Coastal rushing attack should have a lot of success against NIU, but uh, we, we've seen Northern Illinois do some crazy things this season that we did not expect. Uh, Coastal is number 99 in defensive explosiveness allowed since week seven. Coastal is number 45 in that metric on offense. Give me, give me your thoughts on this one, Parker. Yeah, so obviously Coastal has been playing without Grayson McCall, and it does look like he is going to play. Um, it does look like he might be auditioning for a transfer spot um, in this bowl game. And so I do expect a big game out of him. Uh, before I get in the raw numbers, I think there's two things to look at here. One, uh, Northern Illinois obviously likes to play the pace game, right? They want long, slow drives. They want a few possessions. They want high variance. Um, Coastal Carolina actually does that pretty well. They kind of manage opponents pretty well, and they've been flexible in kind of scaling their pace to their opponents. And so I don't know that that strategy is going to um, necessarily work against an offense that has such a, a theoretical explosive ceiling like Coastal Carolina does. Um, the other thing is that offense for Coastal Carolina is not something that you see every day. It's not any. Uh, it's not like anything that um, NIU has seen in the MAC and preparing for it, especially when they have. Uh, you know, a month to kind of game for you as well. I do think there's a coaching advantage for Coastal Carolina. So you have quarterback talent, you have coaching advantage, you have a month to prepare, and then you start getting in the numbers and you say, um, yeah, uh, Coastal Carolina since week five, number one in EPA per pass, 13th in EPA per rush. Northern Illinois is 128th on defense in EPA per rush, 94th in EPA per pass. The problem is that no one's been able to really kind of exploit uh, what they've been able to do. And uh, and then on the flip side, you know, Northern Illinois has been pretty good about bowing up and scoring opportunities. But Coastal Carolina, ninth in quality possession rate, third in points per quality possession. This offense is going to score at will. On the flip side, um, you know, Northern Illinois is kind of good at rushing. They're 11th in EPA per rush. Again, that's not opponent adjusted. Coastal Carolina is 57th in EPA per rush, but they're actually pretty bad against the pass. So teams haven't been rushing a lot against them. I do think that Northern Illinois um, ha hasn't really faced a defense like this. When you look at the defenses that they've faced, you know, Bowling Green is 67th, 
Central Michigan's 92nd. Western is 82nd. Canada's 114th. Ball State is 89th. Buffalo is 110th. Um, and Coastal is 75th. So, I mean, Coastal is, is you know, a much better, uh, or at least analogous to the, the good defenses that Northern Illinois has played. But in terms of offenses, Coastal is so much better than anyone that they've played. Northern Illinois has not beat a team that is complete uh, in that having a good offense and a good defense. And so I think that um, all the signs for me here point to a big win for Coastal Carolina. I have this close to 12 points. Um, and so I'm going to ride with the shot to clears, even though I took them on the under and they pushed this season. I, I, I think they'll win in both season. I, I can see where you're coming from with this. Uh, Kyle, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, you know, Coastal number one in offensive success rate on the season. Uh, NIU is number 121 in that metric. Uh, it does look like a mismatch, but we've kind of been down this road before, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I want to start with Coastal Carolina's 148th strength of schedule, according to Sagarin, which means there's quite a few FCS teams that have played tougher schedules than they have. Uh, certainly a negative on Coastal, um, Northern Illinois is 94th there. Um, Thomas Hammock, I mean, we've kind of gone back and forth about Thomas Hammock this year. I think we have to at least give him credit. He's done a really good job coaching this team this year because Northern Illinois was not expected to be at this point. And even with their shortcomings, here they are. Um, I love this quote from Hammock, and you guys have probably seen this too. He said, quote, I hope they get their commercials in quickly because this is going to be a brief game. So he wants a repeat of the game plan from their win against Kent State, right? Because that game was really quick. You know, they were just uh, yeah. keeping the ball away from Dustin Crum and the Kent State offense. It worked. You know, they were able to do it. Uh, the MAC is 31 and 43 against the spread in bowl games since 2005. So not good. The Sun Belt is 26 and 25 for what it's worth. Uh, there's some bowl angles that I'll like to mention as we go. I know some people find some good value in those. Um, one that supports Coastal Carolina here is low ATS teams, teams that have not covered well in the regular season. Uh, in general, note in general that that's been a good um, angle. It's just backing teams that haven't covered the spread because most people want to bet publicly the teams that have done really well over the course of the season. And usually you want to be against the public more than anything else in bowl season. But the team who has covered less than 50% of their games and also allows less yards per play on defense than their opposition, 57 and 25 against the spread in the last 82 bowl games. So that fits Coastal here. Their defense is certainly better. And guys, uh, you know, I never mentioned names here, but I, I wanted to say real quick that I heard a podcast this week say Grayson McCall might give Coastal Carolina a tiny edge at quarterback against Rocky Lombardi. <laughs> I, I don't want to dunk on anybody, but, you know, that's uh, Grayson McCall, a tiny edge over Rocky Lombardi. You're never going to hear any of us say that, obviously. Um, yeah. Coastal Carolina, <laughs> plus two and a half yards per play this year. Really impressive. I mean, they've been very good. NIU, negative 0.7 yards per play. And I've tried several times to talk against NIU, and all of us have kind of done this. Uh, from time to time. I don't want to bet against them too much here. My lean here, if I were betting this game, would be Coastal Carolina over on the team total. But my concern there is the pace of the game. You know, it's just, you know, Coastal Carolina is 123rd in tempo. NIU is 103rd. I think Coastal's going to score. Uh, the question, I mean, 37 is a lot of points for that kind of pace. So that's my lean for this game if I had to bet it, but I'm going to pass. I totally see where you're coming from. Uh, Grayson McCall, definitely an advantage at quarterback. He right now has the lead 
in quarterback efficiency for a full season. I believe it's QBR, the ESPN metric, whatever it is. Uh, Mac Jones set the record last year. It was set before that by Joe Burrow, and and it had. I mean, it was never anywhere close to those numbers prior to that. Uh, but if he continues the pace, he will set an all-time record, and that'll be a huge thing for a school like Coastal Carolina. But I ain't getting got again. I am going to go with Northern <laughs> Illinois. I am I'm going with the team that was five and two against the spread as an underdog and and straight up as an underdog um, because their wins this season have made no sense. I, I don't know why I would go against it in this regard. Um, but Coastal, you know, a fantastic team. But again, I understand where you're coming from with the trend, Kyle. Uh, but I will have to see it. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and I'm going to take the underdog here at plus 10 and a half uh, with Northern Illinois. Uh, but Parker, I mean, we'll make this official. I'm taking NIU plus 10 and a half. I'm going against Parker. He's going coastal minus 10 and a half. Nothing that NIU has done this season has made sense. So there is no metric that I can give you that, <laughs> that will justify me taking the Huskies. But there is no metric that I can give you that would have justified them winning as many games as they did and winning a MAC championship. So. With that said, I'm going to go against my better judgment, and I'm going to take the Huskies. Parker is going to ride with the shots, and I like it. I like Jamie Chadwell. I like Grace McCall, all that good stuff. But uh, but I'm going to take Thomas Hammock. I'm on your side this time, guys. See, I can get <laughs> off. <me>. So <laughs> let me go ahead and remind everybody, uh, jump into the chat if you would like to. Not really a lot of room for Q&A and whatnot in bowl season uh, because we're going to go over every bowl anyway. <clears throat> but, uh, but you guys jump in if you have any questions about things that – you know, you want an opinion on or some it, some knowledge that we may know that we did not divulge for whatever reason, go ahead and jump into the chat. Make sure and like the video for us. And, again, subscribe to the channel. Let's jump into Saturday's action, and we are going to the Boca Raton Bowl with Western Kentucky and Appalachian State. App State, a three-point favorite here, total of 67-and-a-half. Now, Western Kentucky has guys transferring, but it looks like all will be available uh, the the OC took the Texas Tech job, but he has said that he will coach in the bowl game. Bailey Zapp has a chance to break Joe Burrow's single-season touchdown record. Uh, he's got a chance to break the all-time yardage record for a season. Um, along with that, App State wide receiver Corey Sutton is going to miss this game after having surgery. Uh, just, you know, it, certain things to watch out for here. Uh, Western Kentucky 2-1 and one against the spread as a dog this season. They were 5-1 and one against the number in their last six games. They did not cover in that Conference USA Championship game. Uh, App State 4-2 and two against the spread in their last six. All of those were as a favorite. Um, you know, didn't, didn't look great against Louisiana, but a lot of teams don't look great against Louisiana. Kyle, I want to start off with you. Uh, the things that Western Kentucky is good at on offense – App State is good at defending. App State number 11 in passing success rate. Uh, it's just a ton of numbers here that that would lead you towards App State. Uh, but Western Kentucky has been really, really feisty this season. And if they've got all of their guys and they are motivated in this game, uh, it's kind of tough to bet against them. So what uh, what do you think about this game? Yeah, this is a tough one because, you know, Western Kentucky has all these guys in the transfer portal. And, I mean, it's like Tinsley, uh, Bishop, Mason Brooks, but they're playing here. So um, how motivated are they going to be? I mean, it seems kind of odd to me. You know, you're in the transfer portal, but then you're going to come back for the bowl game. I, I don't know what to make of that. You know, uh, it's an unknown to me, really interesting dynamic. Uh, Corey Sutton out with an injury for App State is a big injury. Definitely their best wide receiver. 
Um, totals of 53 points or higher in bowl season, 53.3% to the under. Who wants to bet an under in this game? I don't want to bet an <laughs> under in this game, that's for sure. Uh, Western Kentucky is eighth in the country in yards per play margin. App State is 19th. Uh, this is a really solid early bowl game, guys. This is a fun game. I'm looking forward to certainly, uh, like Gary said, Zappy with the chance to break uh, Joe Burrow's record. What a season for him and the Hilltoppers. They've been very good. Um, if it weren't for their negative two turnover margin in that last game, it would have been an interesting, you know, it could have ended differently against UTSA. Um, they got that big hole. They came back, made it interesting, certainly. App State's uh, coverage grade at PFF is 27th. Uh, App State, uh, better in run defense in my estimation, but that doesn't really matter here. Uh, Western Kentucky's not going to run anyway. So uh, with Kaylee leaving after the year, all the Western Kentucky guys in the portal, how does that change the handicap? It's hard to gauge something like this. I would lean App State here in this game because of that. Um, Western Kentucky forced 27 turnovers this year, though. And Chase Bryce, guys, he still worries me. You know, I don't know what I'm going to get from Chase Bryce. Is it going to be good Chase Bryce, bad Chase Bryce? I'm going to lean App State, but stay away from this one. Ed, I, I like what you were talking about with betting the under. Nobody really wants to bet the under here. Uh, Sean Clark, by the way, did just get a, a big new contract extension uh, with App State. But total plays per game is, is something that I like to look at for these. Western Kentucky is number three in the country in that at 152 plays per game. Uh, App State is number 82. Only 134.62 plays per game. That is 18 less on average. Uh, typically, that goes with the team that is trying to slow things down. If they are able to slow things down for Western Kentucky, maybe maybe under 67 and a half. I, you know, we'll see. Uh, but down in Boca Raton, nobody wants to be betting an under. I can totally understand that. Uh, Parker, how strange is it that the offensive coordinator gets hired by Texas Tech and they're totally fine? with him just staying at Western Kentucky to coach the bowl game uh, in a game that, for the most part, doesn't really matter. Uh, is, is that a little weird to you? Well, I mean, it, the game's the first week in a bowl season, and National Signing Day was today, and their turnaround was pretty quick after the cost, the championship. So, I mean, I'm not even sure he would have his desk cleaned out, um, you know, by by this weekend anyway. So that, that, to me, doesn't seem too crazy. I will say motivation and um, – where your head's at certainly a factor. Um, I won't I won't reiterate what Kyle said, but I agree with it. Um, I'm going to ask a crazy question and one that I don't love. Um, is Chase Bryce the best quarterback that Western Kentucky has faced in the last eight weeks since they lost at Michigan State? Um, I think he might be. Maybe there's an argument for Max B at Florida International, but I think that's just a dream that I wanted to believe in. So I do think that uh, App State is is. Um, you know, considerably better than a UTSA team that's foiled Western Kentucky twice and uh, better than any of the teams that they've played here. I mean, you look at, uh, again, I'm just reading off cues of teams and this feels mean, but, uh, you know, Old Dominion, FIU, Charlotte, Middle Tennessee, Rice, Florida Atlantic, Marshall, like not exactly a murderer's row for Western Kentucky as they have been putting up points. That's very impressive, obviously. Um, but I do think the App State's the most complete team they faced on defense. App State is 13th in passing EPA, 7th in success rate on defense. Um, and 20th uh, uh, EPA passing on offense. So I do think that uh, App State kind of has the punch counterpunch that that uh, most teams that Western Kentucky has been able to beat uh, do not have. And I will say that, um, uh, you know, App State has only lost to Louisiana and Miami. Uh, and I mean, 
they haven't lost anybody else this season. They've been really, really solid. I, I think this is a mismatch. I think there's a coaching advantage for um, App State here. I will say I'm very nervous about this one. Again, I like to go high volume in bowls, but Western Kentucky is so dangerous. We saw they had, what, like 20 points at the halftime of the CUSA uh, championship game. And, I mean, they can just let it sling, and they're honestly a little bit better when they get out of their way. What will be interesting to watch is how Western Kentucky's offensive line holds up against uh, an App State front that's been pretty disruptive, uh, especially against mediocre units this, this year. So I'm going to go with App State two and a half. I'm going to be crossing my fingers and sweating. This one's uh, a little bit close. I have this about four. And given what Western Kentucky can do, I'm a little bit nervous. But uh, I'm, I'm going to take App State here, and I'm going to go um, the the over as well. Uh, well, I'm not going to take it. I'm going to lean the over. I think that's that would be my inclination, just as a shout-out to, uh, to Kyle there. Because, uh, again, I think Western Kentucky can score, but I think App State will be able to um, to, to match pace with them. That totally makes sense. Uh, let, let's make it official. Uh, Parker is going to ride with App State on this. A little tricky number that you it's not really predictive. You can't really toss it in the metric because a lot of it has to do with luck and whatnot. But uh, Western Kentucky, number 22 in turnover margin, and App State is number 94. Mm, you know, if, if something goes crazy in this you, game, that would be something to pay attention to, right? Do you have those up right there? Because I wonder what that is in games not against Louisiana. Like in every other game except for two uh, games against Louisiana, because didn't I Chase Price have, have like game. four? T- <laughs> I think he had four turnovers in that first one, and then I think he had two or three in the second matchup. And so I wonder outside, like in every other game, what their turnover margin is. But but that's a, that's a good point. Oh, that's just a yes. That was just a curiosity. Yeah, it's, I, I'm not certain, but uh, but if anybody wants to tweet us about that, I will certainly go and do the research. So <laughs> go ahead and uh, toss in on that. But you're you're gonna ride with App State. Yeah, I don't know that Western Kentucky. I, w- I will say this. Uh, I've got uh, giveaways per game. I actually read that that number off wrong. Sorry, turnover margin, App State is number 72. Giveaways per game, App State is number 94. Takeaways per game, Western Kentucky is number eight in the country. Um, but at the same at the same side, uh, giveaways per game, Western Kentucky is number 86, and App State is number 34 in takeaways. So that's, uh, I don't know, it's something to pay attention to. If it goes a little wonky, if it doesn't go the way that you would assume, that is going to be that's going to be a metric to look at. So turnovers always an equalizer for sure. Let's move on further into Saturday, going over to the New Mexico Bowl, and this one's going to be fun to try and handicap. Fresno State against UTEP. UTEP looking for their first bowl win since I believe 1967. Uh, the Miners are an 11 and a half point underdog here, total of 51. The Fresno coach. Kalen DeBoer and the offensive coordinator, uh, Grubbs, left for Washington already. Uh, look, Lee Marks, the running backs coach, is going to be the interim coach. Uh, wide receiver coach Kirby Moore, who is Kellen Moore's brother, the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, he will call the plays. And it appears that Jake Hayner is staying on for the bowl game. Now, I had seen that he was coming back for the bowl game, but I initially saw that he was going to Washington. Apparently his waiver was denied. He was going to have to set out a year because he's already done his transfer, uh, blah, 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 blah. He's coming back. Uh, we talk about motivation. We talk about trying to figure these teams out. What is Fresno looking at? What what do they want out of this game? It's a lot of points, just a lot of questions around the Bulldogs right now. Jeff Tedford is coming back as head coach. He won't be there for, uh, for the bowl game, but... You know, Kyle, I want to start off with you on this. Uh, you know, Fresno, 4-2 and two against the spread of their last six as a favorite. Uh, again, a little bit different circumstance here. UTEP, 3-4 and four against the spread as a dog this season. They are 0-3 oh, 
against the number in their last three in that role. Uh, UTEP, when they play great teams, they get whipped. Uh, they were one and four straight up to end the season. I, but I don't know what to make of Fresno right now. What are what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts. I don't I don't know how much clarity there is as far as this. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jay Kaner's leaving. Jay Kaner's coming back. Then he says, "I'll see you in 2022." I mean, I don't know if that was supposed to mean you know he's just coming back next season. So, uh, some are reading into that he won't play in this game. Uh, the coaching staff making it sound like up to three quarterbacks could play in this game. I mean, Hainer's our best quarterback, so uh, I, I don't know what to make it's, of that. Isn't that weird, by the way? If he's going to come back so that he can play next season, why wouldn't he play in the bowl game? Like, I, there was no injury. There was no – I don't. It, none of it makes sense to me. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. No, there, would, there wouldn't be a good reason for that at all. Um, you know, and UTEP – I mean, UTEP has to be fired up to be in this game. Why would they not be excited to be in this game? So if you're looking at any kind of motivational factors, there's no way you could say there's not a motivational edge for UTEP in this game. Uh, the question is, what is what are the X's and O's looks like, look like um, the numbers? Uh, if, if I thought Fresno State was fully motivated, they had all their coaches, I'd take Fresno minus 11 and a half in this game. I'd, I'd have to lay the points. But with the questionable motivation level, and UTEP uh, being up for this game, certainly, uh, I would lean UTEP in this game. U- UTEP, uh, Jacob Cowing, uh, the guy needs a little bit more respect. PFF grades him second highest of any receiver in the country with 100 targets or more. 19.9 yards per catch. That's really impressive. A home run hitter. Uh, UTEP, third in the nation in explosiveness on offense. So quietly, they're capable of big things, at least in the passing game. Uh, the question is, can UTEP stop Fresno State? Uh, you know, and that's where, you know, is Jay Kaner playing? Is Jay Kaner excited to be here? What, what's going on with Fresno's offense is, is kind of murky. But UTEP's 34th in yards per play allowed in the country, but that's clearly a result of the offenses they played against. Uh, U- UTSA put up 44 points on them. UAB put up 42 on them. Uh, I think if Fresno's engaged, UTEP uh, can give up quite a few points in a game like this. So on a motivational factor, I'm going to lean UTEP. And I also lean uh, pretty strongly to the over in this one as well. I feel where you're coming from. Parker, on this one, uh, you mentioned with Middle Tennessee, UTEP has not beaten it. I like to look at uh, this site called Team Rankings. Uh, They do a power rating for every team in the country. UTEP has not beaten a team that was ranked above number 105 all season, and yet they made it to a bowl game, which is kind of astounding. Their strength of schedule this year was number 126, out of 130. Now, Fresno, not significantly better overall. They're number 94. Um, but when you look at that, I mean, Fresno is number 56 in in that ranking. I, there's a massive, massive talent advantage for Fresno State. The question here is whether or not they're going to be up for this game. I, it's closer to UTEP. I think, they're, I think the UTEP fans are going to travel. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I will say um, I'm always so skeptical of um, these, like the strength of schedule disparities, because I'm just not sure that like, you know, the 75th worst strength of schedule is like actually 30 spots better than the 105th worst strength of schedule. Maybe that's that's peak off season. That's 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 in, in my brain. But like, it's my suspicion that that's an average. And so like uh, Fresno played Oregon and that you know, skews way, way up, uh, what their, what their 
strength of schedule was. Anyway, um, it, it, it is an important consideration. Again, the CUSA is not very strong, especially outside of the top couple of teams. And um, I mean, I, I, you know, UTSA has or UTEP, excuse me, has struggled down the stretch, but against good teams, um, they lost to they lost to Florida Atlantic kind of before Florida Atlantic, uh, you know, fully began tanked. their death spiral. Yes. Yeah, I was trying to be <laughs> diplomatic there. Uh, just just yeah, just lost it. Um, then, you know, they lost to a really good UTSA team. North Texas started playing really, really well at the end of the season. They took care of Rice. And then, of course, UAB has some really explosive passing. I mean, Fresno did put up 30 points on San Diego State, who is one of the best nations, uh, one of the best defenses in the nation. Um, and so, again, I, I I think that Fresno should should be able to handle them. Uh, again, I don't know if Hayner is playing. Uh, there is the motivation factor. I, I mean, UTEP is fifth in EPA per pass. Like, they do have the ability to kind of chuck one deep and and break off a big play, which is kind of your best chance when you're out talented and, uh, you know, the defense is, is better. Um, on the flip side, UTEP's defense has been pretty good. And, and especially when you compare kind of those conference games only and, and, and avoid those, those big asymmetries, like when Fresno is playing Oregon or UCLA, um, UTEP is 42nd EPA per pass on defense, 14th in EPA per rush. Fresno is only 44th in EPA per pass. They're high volume, but low explosiveness in the passing game. And so I expect this game to be a little bit slow and 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 this just seems double digit seems like way too many points here. So I'm gonna take UTEP um, to to cover this. I, I mean I have this closer to an eight point spread. So I don't I don't I'm not like confident that UTEP's gonna win or have any any delusions that I would take a money line there. But in terms of the spread, I, I think that UTEP's gonna be able to keep this close. Um, and then you start accounting for well maybe Hayner doesn't play. They switch coaches. Maybe things are weird. Uh, I think this is a great spot for UTEP. It totally makes sense. I mean, uh, the total here of 51 uh, would lead to about a 31 to 20 game. Uh, if that is the case, we've got 11 and a half. You'd win that by the hook. So I can totally see where you're coming from. Kyle uh, leaned that direction with you. Uh, so we'll make it official for Parker. He's going to roll UTEP plus 11 and a half on this one. Uh, again, let me remind everybody, like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Thursdays, 12 p.m. Eastern time. We will be back again tomorrow with the bowl preview part two. So make sure that you dive in here and uh, and get involved with all of these weekend bowl games and whatnot, all the bowl games that will take place before we get back next Wednesday. Um, let's dive into the Independence Bowl. Uh, we've got UAB facing off against BYU. Now, BYU, it seems a little strange that they would be in Shreveport here. So... Uh, you know, they're they're getting to play UAB, a good team. They are favored by seven. BYU is juiced at minus 105 here. Uh, UAB is three and one against the spread. As a, Oh, excuse me. The total is 55 on this one, uh, in case anybody would like to know. Uh, the <laughs> UAB is three and one against the spread as a dog. BYU is two and four against the spread. Their last six as a favorite. Uh you know, you look at, I brought up strength of schedule. There's no real difference here. UAB surprisingly has a better strength of schedule uh, per ESPN, number 58 to BYU, number 74. Yeah, we got some questions regarding UAB. Leading rusher is Dwayne McBride. It suffered an injury late. He might be out. Uh, the third leading receiver, Johnson Sanders, into the transfer portal. He's going to be out. Uh, there is question about whether or not their stud defensive end, Alex Wright, is going to opt out of this game. I haven't seen anything about BYU regarding anybody sitting out or any injuries or anything like that. It looks like they're going to be full go trying to get their 11th win of the season. We do know that Kalani Sataki is not taking another job. He got a contract extension. He is going to stay in Provo. So 
Uh, Kyle, I want to start off with you on this. Uh, since week seven, UAB, number 25 offensive success rate in the country. BYU, number 118 defensive success rate allowed. Uh, this BYU defense has been kind of putrid. I mean, just I, I, if that's the best way to put it. Uh, UAB, number one in points per scoring opportunity. BYU, number 110 on the defensive side of that. Give me your thoughts here, because this looks like two pretty good offenses, um, and then UAB's just got a better defense. What, what do you think? So, um, you know, I think for this game, it's a fascinating game, one that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Bill Clark, one of my favorite coaches, I know I've said that here before. He's excellent. Uh, you know, he's stayed there through all the the rough times, obviously, while they didn't even have a program. Sataki's a really good coach as well, so I think this is a good coaching matchup. Uh, I would think both teams would be ready to play in this game. I, I don't think there's a big motivational edge to one side or the other. Um, it's interesting, Gary, you said you were talking about the strength of schedule thing. I, I think, did you say ESPN had UAB with the tougher strength of schedule? Yes, yes. Okay, that's interesting, which kind of uh, goes to the point. Heavily weighted with, with, yeah, heavily weighted with Georgia. That's uh, yeah, got to yeah. be, right? <laughs> yeah, because Sagarin's strength of schedule, UAB is 114th. And uh, BYU is 65th. So some pretty big differences in uh, strength of schedule, which is a discussion for another day, but it's certainly interesting. UAB is 14th in uh, yards per play margin on the season. Very good. Uh, BYU 28th. Um, guys, I really think that uh, BYU, a couple of their wins, at least a couple of them, we need to put a little bit of an asterisk by because uh, Utah wasn't the same team early in the season. And this is not me saying that that wasn't a good win for BYU. That's a great win in that Holy War game, certainly. But Utah was much better later in the season. And then Virginia, Virginia was about to score like 75 points on them. And Brennan Armstrong gets hurt. And then BYU outscores them 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter to win the game. Uh, who knows what would happen if Armstrong was healthy the rest of the way. Um, the thing that really stands out to me when I break this game down, UAB's passing attack is way better than most people would think. Very explosive. They're second in the nation, guys, and guys in 30 plus yards uh, plays uh, so far this year with 40 of them. Um, I just can't believe it. You know, when I was looking at the <laughs> biggest plays, I, I would have never dreamed that UAB would be second in the country. Especially it doesn't seem given, like a Bill Clark. Yeah, Bill right, Clark offense. Doesn't <laughs> especially given their tempo, which means that, yeah. you know, at the tempo they're playing, getting this many big plays is fantastic. I mean, that's amazing stuff. And uh, BYU has been terrible at defending tight ends so far this year. In fact, BYU has allowed 52 yards or more uh, in four of their seven games against Power 5 opponents to the opposing tight end. So UAB, top-notch tight end, tremendous tight end. Garrett Prince is very good, averaging 20.5 yards per uh, catch so far this year. Uh, BYU is 87th at PFF and tackling grade as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if UAB's receivers and tight end uh, break some tackles in the open uh, field here. On the other side, BYU is very good offensively, eighth with 35 plays of 30 yards or more. And UAB defense is good, but they've played against some pretty bad offenses there in Conference USA. Tempo-wise, a slow game, but I think these teams can be efficient. There'll be a lot of explosive plays in this one. I like the over here. I'm going to take over 55. I can totally see where you're going with that. Uh, the only part that scares me about it is the total plays per game. Uh, it's 121 for UAB and number 76 for BYU. But you talked about how efficient these two teams are on offense, and 
and the defenses may not really be able to catch up with those offenses there. So I'm seeing where you're coming from. Uh, looking at, you know, Parker, I, 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 look, I like to look at the penalty stuff, right? UAB is number 130 in penalty yards per game. Um, it's, I mean, this is going to be interesting to see because BYU is number 31. BYU, very disciplined. Uh, UAB, typically very disciplined. But they've been incredibly aggressive this season, and it's cost them big time. I mean, they're averaging over 90 yards per game in penalty yards. Those hidden yards are kind of important. Uh, it's, you know, we just talked about it being a slower-paced game. Does that kind of lead you more towards UAB on this? I want to go look at the penalties because UAB's pass defense has actually been pretty pretty bad relative to what their rush defense has been. They're 54th in EPA per pass. I wonder um, how much uh, defense defensive pass interference they've got because they've you know they've gotten beat or they're struggling or something and they've gotten caught up. That's just um, interesting. Uh, I, I I think that UAB's um, offense is is good. It is it is boom and bust. And uh, I do like the point about the tight end. I really don't feel like UAB really has a playmaker. Um, that can totally exploit this BYU defense. I do think that they will get some big plays. They're they're 70th in EPA per pass. Um, they're sixth in EPA per rush, and uh, and so the numbers here again, these are not adjusted for opponent and who they played down the stretch. But you know BYU is 105th in EPA per rush, but there are 106th and third and fourth down success. And so what that tells me is largely where they're getting beat is is in those third downs, not on those early downs. And because UAB is not as good um, kind of being successful, they're more explosive. Uh, I don't know that those third downs are going to factor in a, a, whole, a whole lot. And so that's just something to kind of look at in terms of how these teams uh, complement each other. You know, UAB 76th in percent of first downs on, on first and second down. They're going to find themselves in third and long often. Um, and so that, I think, bodes well for BYU. Um, in terms of the offense, uh, I do think a little bit about a boat race here, not in the sense that UAB is a lot, are a lot worse than BYU, but in the sense that UAB plays slow and they have to rely on big plays. And BYU will score often. They're fourth in offensive uh, EPA per play, their fifth in success rate. And I really do think that BYU will be able to score a lot. We've seen, you know, against USC, for instance, they they were able to kind of stay ahead. And um, as the game grows in possessions, I do think that the first, you know, couple of drives where UAB doesn't get that big play, if they falter, uh, BYU will be able to pull out to, uh, to, to a bigger lead. So um, I'm going to uh, go with BYU to cover here. Um, I'm going to... Um, yeah, I'm going I'm to go with BYU to cover, and I'm going to um, rest on the back of Kalani Sataki being happy about his contract and uh, and and them getting a big win here in bowl season. Gotcha. All right, so we need to switch that up on our spreadsheet. You had UAB down. Uh, no, 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 no. That's totally great. What I did, no, no, no. No, I want UAB. I'm so sorry. I'm, an, I'm a crazy person. On our spreadsheet, <laughs> I was looking at the line, and that's why I stumbled because I was like, wait, I don't like this. What am I talking myself into? I've got my model right here. UAB. Good Lord. It's a long day. Uh, it the is. Power just, it is. The power just went out. We've got a lot going on over here. Um, UAB, <laughs> I want to cover because I don't I don't think it's going to get enough possessions. Um, okay. Golly. Move <laughs> on. Take UAB. I mean, I'm sure Go look can, at my preview I'm, on Twitter. I posted it. I'm sure that you could see my face going, wait, why is he talking himself into this? Like, we've already... We, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I saw it on the screen. I was like, that doesn't feel right. I don't think I like this. 
Great, wonderful. Uh, uh, it's, yeah. This works out well, though. Okay. <laughs> this is like okay, a couple weeks they, ago when I took Marshall and North Texas. I said both of them the same thing. It's just like, I can't lose, man. I can't lose. <laughs> can't lose if you pick both sides, right? You got that right. Uh, my, my question here, before we make it official, is, is BYU in the trenches built more like Georgia, or are they built more like UTSA? Like, which one are they closer to? Because UAB, like, we have seen them have issues uh, especially against Liberty earlier in the season, they they can run up against some teams that can just overwhelm them, right? Is BYU a team that can overwhelm UAB? And I don't know if that's the case in this situation. How, Parker, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think the issue that I would look at to kind of put um, stats on this is looking at, you know, BYU is um, 61st in early downs rush rate, so they're pretty balanced. They're not like a, hey, we're going to line up in 22 personnel and, and you know, shove it down your throat. They, they really don't um, try to do that as much. And so I, I do think the physicality is probably closer to UTEP. Certainly, BYU uh, believes that they are closer to Georgia. But um, UAB in itself um, isn't uh, – I, I don't think they're at that much of a talent disadvantage here, and I don't think that, that BYU will be able to do that. That's I mean, Tyler Algier is a really, really good running back. They're going to have to tackle him. Uh, but I really do think that the offensive line isn't isn't that big of a deal. It's more the, the running back. It totally makes sense. So let's, let's make it official. We do have two plays on this one. Kyle is going to go with the over 55, and Parker is riding UAB, the Blazers, plus seven on this one. Uh, so that is going to take us to our last game of the day. We've got six today. we got six more tomorrow. Last game here, the Lending Tree Bowl, is Liberty against Eastern Michigan. Now, Liberty did not exactly end the season in a great way, but it does look like Malik Willis, the quarterback, is going to play in this game, and that is nothing but a positive for Liberty. Liberty 2-0 and straight up and against the spread in bowl games. Eastern Michigan 3-0 and against the spread in bowl games, but they are 0-3 straight up. In those now, if we look at this season, Liberty two and five against the spread as a favorite in their last seven. Eastern Michigan three and three against the spread as a dog this year. Uh, they are three and two straight up in the last five in that role. Eastern Michigan number one fewest penalty yards per game. Y'all know I like to look at that. Liberty is number one oh seven turnovers. I always like to talk about these. Liberty number one twenty five in turnover margin. Eastern Michigan is number forty four. So a little bit of a discrepancy between these two. Kyle, I want to start off with you. It's been a little bit since we've heard from you. Uh, the Liberty rushing attack, it feels like, should have no issues at all with this Eastern Michigan defense. Uh, since week seven, Liberty number 15 in su uh, rushing success rate. Eastern Michigan number 121 in defensive rushing success uh, rate allowed. How are you looking at, at this ballgame? Well, Eastern Michigan won a bunch of these coin flip games. They had really close games that go down to the wire. Um, they have 4.9 second order wins so far this year. So it's interesting what the, what they come in. Uh, obviously, they got fortunate on some of these, at least the, the stats would think so. Eastern Michigan, three wins with a 28% or lower postgame win expectancy. Um, that's hard to do. They managed to do it. Uh, Liberty, 8.2 second order wins. Uh, guys, which Malik Willis is going to show up because – uh, Willis has been pretty bad here late in the season. I mean, let's let's be honest. Uh, Willis has really hurt his NFL draft stock. And I know some people said, why would Malik well Willis play in a game like this? I think Malik Willis needs to play in a game like this. I mean, yes. he's playing yes. against a bad defense. So here's his chance uh, to, to kind of run it up against a team that's not good defensively. Eastern Michigan, um, 117th uh, defense overall. 
uh, played a really weak schedule this year. I mean, how are they going to stop Liberty? The only thing that Eastern Michigan has done very good at is rushing the passer. Liberty's allowed 50 sacks this year, and I don't have specific uh, stats on this, but I, I do know that Malik Willis holds the ball a long time, tries to make things happen. Um, you know, I would think that Eastern Michigan's best chance is to force some turnovers uh, to get pressure on him there. Because BFF grades Liberty at offensive line at 53rd in the country, so really not that bad in pass blocking to have 50 sacks. So I think that tells us quite a bit about Willis. Um, you know, I, I want to see what kind of scheme Liberty has on offense here. And guys, I wanted to give you some numbers on this one, ATS. We got dueling angles on this one. Uh, Chris Creighton as an underdog at Eastern Michigan has been money in the bank. Uh, 38-25 and 25 against the spread, 3-0 and 0 as a dog in bowl games. Hugh Freeze has been money in the bank all the time. You know, 5-1 and one in bowl games, 66-42 and 42, uh, all-time as a head coach at 61% ATS. So, I mean, it'd be easy to argue either side of that and have the numbers uh, supporting you, obviously. Uh, I think Eastern Michigan's very reliant on passing. You know, they have non-existent run game. Uh, Liberty, 14th in PFF pass rush grade. Uh, Eastern Michigan's 50th in pass blocking. Which offensive line holds up under pressure is the key to this game, in my opinion. I lean Liberty in this game, and that, that's what I would bet here. Uh, but Creighton is solid as a coach, and Willis has been shaky here at the end. I would also lean under if I had to bet the total in this one. It totally makes sense. You brought up that passing game for Eastern Michigan. Uh, ben Bryant, I believe, is the quarterback there. Number 10 passing success rate offense since week seven. Uh, could have some success against that Liberty defense. But again, you talk about the overall numbers with Hugh Freeze and Chris Creighton, two really, really good coaches. Both of them perform pretty well in bowl games. Uh, this is its going to be an interesting matchup for certain. I think the talent advantage certainly goes towards Liberty. Parker, uh, give me your thoughts on, on that one, because it, it looks like Liberty could overwhelm Eastern Michigan, much the way that they have done other teams such as UAB, et cetera, earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, UA, or excuse me, uh, Liberty's losses this season, especially down the stretch, have been pretty defensible. I mean, that Syracuse game, they just they dug a hole early. Um, Syracuse was playing pretty pretty decently there and had had some good offensive line play that kind of disrupted things. And then, I mean, obviously they they lost to Ole Miss by 13 in Oxford, which I think is is huge. Um, and then, you know, Louisiana and, and Army are both pretty physical teams. I, I don't know that Eastern Michigan is going to be able to exploit um, Liberty like any of the teams they've lost to have. And, and one one thing that really, really was was an issue with uh, Liberty lost to ULM. Like that was just a stupid game. I think they had four trips into the 20 or in, at least in the red zone and came away with like zero points on those four. Um, absolutely should have won that game. Uh, Eastern Michigan is allowing 99th uh, echo rate on defense, 56.1% of the time. They're giving up a quality possession, and they're allowing 4.25 points per possession. That's 68th. So that's not really a strength of Eastern Michigan stopping you when you get a quality possession. Um, Liberty's rushing uh, efficiency is super explosive. Obviously, a lot of that comes through Malik Willis's legs. They're third in EPA per rush. Eastern Michigan is 109th. And now, granted, maybe there's some mismatch there because they haven't seen a lot of scrambling quarterbacks, but that would also lead me to think, uh, if they're this bad against the rush 
and uh, they're 88th in passing, if you throw in that third dimension of a scrambling quarterback, that's only going to spread out um, Eastern Eastern Michigan there. They're, they're, they're passing 14th most um, on early downs, Eastern Michigan as an offense, and they're 41st in EPA per pass. So again, high volume passing and, and, and high EPA passing is good, but Liberty's defense, when they've gotten beat, has been in the run game. They're 36th in EPA per pass. They are... Um, you know, 22nd in passing success rate allowed. So I think that everything here just on the margin goes towards eh, Liberty's a little bit better at, at what Eastern Michigan wants to be good at. And the things that Eastern Michigan theoretically is good at uh, passing success rate, for instance, uh, Liberty Liberty's just better there too. So that plus, again, you go to the motivation, you go to Hugh Freeze with, with a month to prepare. Look at what he did to Coastal Carolina last year um, in a game where he was obviously a less talented team. He was, he was one of the first teams to kind of stop that offense and they did in the first half. Um, and so with a month to prepare with Malik Willis auditioning for a um, an NFL draft spot here. I, I see no reason that Liberty shouldn't put up big numbers um, uh, against this Eastern Michigan team. So I'm going to ride with the um, with the Liberty with the Flames with the Flames. Let's make it. Oh, I, I said Flames, but isn't it Eagles? Didn't they switch something? I don't know. ESPN did a weird thing. That's a whole nother. I don't thing. think so. But you know what? We'll research it. Tweet us. Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, but I thought it was the Liberty Flames. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it I'm is. wrong. It is. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it official. Parker's going to ride with Liberty minus nine, riding the uh, the fighting Hugh Freezes, and I, uh, I I can agree with that. I like it. I'm not going to put my hard-earned money on uh, on Hugh Freeze again this season because I've done it too many times, and it has bitten me. Um, but I can see where you're going with that. So uh, let's make it let's make it official. Let's go ahead and uh, well, do we have any questions in the Q and A? I have not seen any, but. Uh, here we go. Any thoughts on the Jackson State game? Has anybody looked at that by chance? I know that they got a huge recruit today. It's got nothing to do <laughs> with uh, with the actual game, but there is a lot of momentum around Jackson State. Uh, I I got no I got no thoughts on on that one. Uh, so Jeffrey, I apologize, uh, but we have not exactly looked into any of the FCS stuff. Uh, going back through the comments, I mean, I don't see a, a lot of guys agreeing with our picks, et cetera. That is certainly uh, nice. Jeffrey jumped in asking about wins in the Bahamas Bowl. Uh, Kyle, there's always wins in the Bahamas Bowl, right? Like that's it, it hasn't seemed to affect it a whole lot. I don't believe. Um, right. Let's see. Uh, questions about ODU at, and uh, Tulsa, et cetera. That's going to be on tomorrow's show. I don't see many questions. Uh, gentlemen, was there anything else that you guys wanted to hit before we do a recap? Not so much. Okay. Let's go ahead and round this thing out. We uh, we did this in about an hour. That's not bad for six games. I know that we like to talk. Um, so let's uh, let's do our recap for the day. Parker, <laughs> you've got a lot of them. I'm going to let you go ahead and read yours off. <laughs> I love it, man. High volume in the bowls, and it's good that we're going to get to all these games. Um, yeah, so I, I like uh, Toledo to cover uh, Coastal and App State as, as favorites. I'll take UTEP as the underdog along with UAB as the underdog. And then, uh, like I just said, Liberty to, to cover as a favorite. All right. And I have got two of them. I'm going to take Toledo minus 10 in that Bahamas Bowl against Middle Tennessee. And I like Northern Illinois plus 10 and a half uh, because the numbers don't make sense. But Thomas Hammock has made me look like a fool all season. Not again. Not doing it again. I'm going to ride with the Huskies on that. Kyle, what have you got for us today? So I'm going to stay off the Toledo one. Uh, you're welcome, guys. I'm going to stay away from the Bahamas game. But, uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank I, you. I'm only going to take UAB and BYU over 55 today. I will have a couple plays tomorrow. So uh, uh, looking forward to that one as well. 
Absolutely. All right, let me go ahead and remind everybody, make sure and like the channel. And of course, hit the notification bell. Once you have subscribed, that is the, the most important thing. Subscribe, like, hit the notification bell so that you know when we go live. Again, we are doing six bull previews. This was only part one. So we got a lot of room to go. Uh, but yes, we will be back tomorrow, Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern time. And we will do this again every Wednesday and Thursday through December, leading up to the national championship game, which will be in January. So make sure you are subscribed, jump into the chat, jump into the comments. We want to know what your picks are on these games for certain. Jump in, knock it all out. And of course, check out the Schools Out contest over at BetUS and make sure that you are signed up at BetUS.com. It is where the game begins. We will be back again tomorrow. It's going to be a fun ride. We've got a lot of games to discuss. We're going to hit every single bowl game, and we certainly appreciate all you guys that were in the chat, Kenneth and Eric and Jeffrey, etc. You guys are the lifeblood of the show. We certainly appreciate you for being here. Hopefully, you will be with us again tomorrow. With that said, for BetUS, where the game begins.